Hello and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the show where I interview the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by two fantastic guests, Yvette Forrester and Zach Shalanda Kelsey from BNY Mellon. Now, Yvette works as a project manager within the EMEA Regional Change Group. She's actually vice president at the moment and also a diversity champion. She supports the EMEA regulatory governance and reporting programs um, at Bank of New York, and that was since 2016. She joined the firm in 2008 shortly after the Bank of New York merged with Mellon. Alongside her main duty, she does a plethora of different things. She's co-chair of the Impact EMEA, BNY Mellon's Diversity Business Resource Group, and also involved in many social awareness activities, including chairing the EMEA Community Partnership, and for the last seven years as co-chair of the Impact Community Affairs Subcommittee. She's also non-exec director and chair on the board of DigiBridge, community interest company, uh, which is a social enterprise organization and carries out a whole number of activities as well around education and DNI uh, for young people around London. Zach is about to complete his management degree at the University of Bath and will be starting his career at BMY Mellon in August 2020. This is following on from a placement year that he completed, which is all very exciting. Um, and he's also running a startup business, which I'm really looking forward to hearing more about, called Connects. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for being here. My goodness, you know, between the pair of you, you've got some pretty, pretty significant accolades. And I guess for our viewers and our listeners who are tuning in today, I wonder whether you could give a little brief synopsis, both of you, about how you came to be where you are today within BMY and also how you came to know each other, because I think you've worked on some pretty exciting projects together. I've been at BNY for about 12 years now, and I've always been involved one way or another in previous jobs with employee resource groups. And so that is my underlying passion around diversity and inclusion. And I want to ensure that I really do have that sense of being able to help people as much as possible to be their authentic selves. And um, it comes from being in a corporate environment for over 25 years or so, where many times I'm one of few people. So for me, it was really important to feel I had a tribe and employee resource groups tend to be the best place where there's a shared affinity. And so I'm going to hand over to um, Zach because Zach, you can tell how you came to get involved in Melon and eventually through to our employee resource group. Sure thing. So I was at BMY for my placement year at Bath, um, mostly for the placement. And as part of my placement, I sort of set myself a goal to take every opportunity. And I didn't actually know about employee resource groups. Like no one tells you about that going into a workplace. You sort of find out when you get there. And I was like, oh, these there's extra things I can do where sort of I can actually run my own thing and be responsible for things and make something happen. And um, one of the employee resource groups that that's in Impact, which focuses on BAME. I was starting off with a blog series on, and since Yvette was a leader at the time in the group, I was talking to her about how best to do it, and after I execute that project with the team, there's always a next project to do and a next event, and we sort of 
hit it off in terms of how we work together and our visions and execution. And ever since then, we've been trying to do the next, the next, the next, the next thing. So it's been quite fun. Fantastic. I absolutely love that. And I can see from chatting to you both before that you've got a great relationship between the two of you. And it's almost, you know, what I think more organizations actually should be adopting is this reverse mentoring type relationship where actually we realize that we can learn from, you know, diversity of, you know, generation, experience and, and, and everything else around the periphery. But, but Zach, you mentioned that you've been working on these various different projects. And I, I know that there is this student led kind of nonprofit as well called cronauty.org Cronauty, is that right yeah, yeah. Um, that's a initiative initially led because of the coronavirus to connect people who are lonely and with most internships being cancelled for students and sort of us ending exams and having a lot of time on our hands we thought let's mobilize the students and try and do something that would make a big impact so we set up this phone service we gained like 100 volunteers and we were connecting people up and we've actually started now to since we've sort of done that project, we're looking at the next phase, which is really a consultancy business for nonprofits to help them fight the, the change that has come from COVID, digitizing things they, they could not digitize before, and really making sure that they can be sustainable in the long term in the post COVID world, which is no doubt going to be different for how they operate in the future. So it's quite an exciting time to, to be a part of it. Absolutely. And I hear many good things about you. So I'm sure you go off and do some brilliant things. We'll have to keep our tabs on you, Zach. But clearly there's a lot happening in the world at the moment. You mentioned coronavirus there and, you know, it looks like it's going to be a significantly elongated L-shaped exit as opposed to the V, I think, that people were hoping for. Um, we've obviously had the absolutely tragic news of what's happened over in the States and everything that is, uh, you know, happening not only, um, you know, around the world, but, but you know, in, in the UK on our doorsteps as well. Um, you know, I wonder when it comes to employee resource groups and how you guys are actually pivoting and utilising these fantastic networks with voices across the board from students through to seasoned leaders, what you guys are actually doing at the moment to, uh, to really kind of spearhead these important key pieces happening within, uh, within our environment right now. So I know that when we got into shutdown state um, back in March, um, one of the things myself and my co-chair said was, you know, it would be really good in terms of keeping contact with our um, diversity group that we set up a digital cafe. So we've got this, you know, uh, very non-agended, no items is not open for discussion. Let's talk about how you guys are coping, whether you're having to teach, whatever it is, um, your children or, you know, um, how you're coping living by yourself or in a multi-generational household and, you know, are you setting boundaries, you know, what's work time, what's home time and keeping to it. So, and it's just an open forum. And we've had maybe, you know, about four of those sessions and it's just in a diary and it might sometimes end up with just me and the coacher talking. But um, since all the recent events that's been happening in the US, which has spilled over in a way untold, it's been used now as a catalyst to really start airing people's concerns about what they're feeling is happening in the world around Black Lives Matter. And I'm really, really excited as well as mentally exhausted um, around the whole topic. But I feel 
we're as a, a catalyst at a stage right now where you know we've gotten the green light from our main guy um, of BMY Mellon did a fantastic note over the weekend around it. Our chairman has done the same thing. It's opened the floodgate where people want to talk. So starting from tomorrow, in fact, when we have our next digital cafe, we are going to be um, ensuring that people have a safe forum just to talk about how they feel. And I think. The discussion generates change, which I'm hoping um, people see as a benefit to make them feel that they are not alone in this or this frustration or, um, you know, people having license to ask, what can I do to make things better? And similarly hearing those who are affected by it, um, how are you doing and what are you feeling like these days? Because I think it's important that we kind of have that conversation. There's no doubt that what's going on in the US will permeate across the world. And I'm hoping, um, similar to the Me Too movement, that we do have a Black Lives Matter movement. I absolutely concur. I absolutely concur. And, um, you know, really appreciate you sharing um, thoughts there. I think it is critically more important now than ever before to pay attention to what people are, as you say, feeling, um, because it's affecting everyone in very, very different ways. But we absolutely must show our solidarity, um, you know, with those who are around us, our friends who are who are black and all different um, races, you know, as well to stand together and to show our support because it has just been going on for far too long. But I think, you know, what's excellent about what you said there is that actually the chairman's taken a stand on this. I think, you know, much with in in you know obviously we've had the the coronavirus and and you know we now um have the terrible terrible things that have happened over in the states actually you know those organizations that are not only willing to to put their put their names and their organizations names against taking a stand toward this um but also making it acceptable for those inside the organizations to be able to share their voice about how they are truly feeling and utilize some of these brilliant networks that both of you have built to almost be that 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 place of comfort and that place that allows people to really open up because there's been like it's like a groundswell so our women's network are you know getting involved gen edge which is a generational one prison which is our lgbt Q1 and it feels like there is a bit of a movement and now you can see the real value of um, employee resource which I've always known but you know now I think the reliance in consulting us in terms of what sort of comms are coming out you can see then that they want to make sure the messaging is right and there is some um, and there is authenticity in terms of what's going out so I'm you know I'm proud to be an employee um, of the company and I'm glad that they are looking to harness all this outpouring now that's happening to hopefully affect some real positive change. Absolutely. And I think, you know, looking at, I mean, you, you do such a lot, Yvette, if you don't mind me saying so, because I was reading through your background actually before uh, before this uh, this podcast. And, you know, you, uh, you not only, um, you know, lead a number of the employee resource groups or business resource groups, which I actually think is a fantastic name for them because they are business critical in, in my mind. I think actually the business resource group terminology is excellent. But, um, you know, not only kind of taking on this additional role for, for strategic and recruitment efforts, because 
you know, that is absolutely key. I mean, it's very, very, it's multifaceted, um, you know, isn't it? When it comes to diversity and inclusion, you know, it is not a one silver bullet fixes all. It's a, you know, it's a multifaceted, multidimensional issue. And so... It's multi-pronged and where, you know, Zach was a real asset is that we work with a charity that we've partnered with, which works with um, bright BAME students who study um, STEM subjects, science, technology, engineering, and maths. And um, been working with them for about eight years. And every year we do like a skills development, mentoring, CV presentation type thing. And I've always said it's about perception. I didn't want those kids coming in. And then similarly, where I pair them with BMY Mellon employees as volunteers to help out to see as just the dip in, dip out. So you want to have the sustained embeddedness within that particular charity because they are, for all sense of purposes, the new talent pipeline, right? They're the new workforce that's coming down the road. And they may look different to, um, to Zach, but they, at the same time, should have access. And normally they don't have straightforward access. So we've got fantastic programs where um, Zach has come through and I want to see these programs that we're doing working with these kids as, you know, formidable and viable um, talent pipeline and be considered for entry level jobs. And, um, you know, it's not just a charitable thing that we're doing. It, these are actually, you know, that we're invested in them. So it's, that's been a big passion of mine. And also, changing the perception of people that come to contact with them because I mean Zach you'll know that you know some of these kids are just like wow just insanely bright I mean I'll let you speak for yourself for sure and actually following on from that experience at BNY we held this workshop which you just mentioned I on um, with Connect which aims to get students to industry conferences I've spoke to the charity and we are delivering some sessions on okay well how do you network how do you actually go about emailing someone to speak to them because a lot of these people from these backgrounds have never really been taught the general things, even how to like introduce yourself or uh, the basic stuff, which we can definitely help deliver to them. So it's, it's just that little link there from working with them and now hopefully helping them in the future has definitely been um, exciting to do. That's absolutely fantastic. And I take my hat off to both of you. Um, I think what's particularly brilliant is the fact that not only you're inspiring, educating, motivating future BAME leaders, and like you say, that, you know, building talent pipeline, but also you are enabling this, uh, you know, almost the, the, the leveling of um, leveling of the scales by actually, you know, supporting through um, things like the network, which, you know, let's not underestimate it. Network is absolutely fundamentally important and you know again I'll share a little bit about about my personal background as I was then I was you know, adopted actually by white British parents and and to a degree I'd say you know had a really wonderful upbringing what we have had a really wonderful upbringing but um you know certainly not privileged but still had opportunities far and beyond I would say many others and it's simply recognizing that not being uncomfortable to talk about what privilege is and isn't it's just that recognition because actually you know my so my mum worked for the NHS my dad worked for for an entrepreneur but actually when I went into that world of business which I'm sure um, Zach you have um, you have now done and kind of dipped your toe in and doing these great things, which is fantastic. But actually, I realized when I got into this world of business that I didn't have a network and everyone had networks of people, or friends or mothers, fathers, etc. in various different places. And look, 
my parents are the most amazing parents in the entire world. But in the world of business, um, you know, would they be hugely connected with your FTSE Fortune organizations? No, absolutely mm. not. And that is, you know, it's not until sometimes you get into that world that you realize there is a massive disparity and actually you find yourself having to work that bit harder to push yourself up and glean those connections and connections the network is absolutely everything so zach I absolutely commend the fact that you're doing this and you've built this and you know the other things that you're running given that you haven't um you even had kind of first full-time role yet, i just think it's absolutely absolutely amazing amazing yeah thank you very and much. what's the what's the feedback been from from you know again you know the students and also the bame students you know what what is the feedback been it's been very good and actually one bit of feedback even before I started that when we were doing the workshops like even having someone come up to you at the end and go thank you that was really helpful I, you know it, it actually means a lot I got into the employee resource groups at the start not really because I wanted to do something for myself not for the greater thing but when I started executing on projects I actually saw a lot like the benefit and people were gaining something from it and it was making a positive impact I got more and more into it and I think that sort of social reward in terms of helping someone else is definitely what keeps these things going because you can't really question making a good impact on someone else. You can't really beat that. So I love that. Rewarding. It has that sort of trickling effect, doesn't it? Because yeah. it's the same way I'd be like, get people in my team. Oh, come on, you can help. No, help somebody with their CV, do it. They have this engagement. It's only like a half hour out of their day or whatever it is. They come away from that saying, what a great kid. And you know, that lasting impression means that when I say, come on, I need some volunteers. Yeah, I'll put my hand up right away. And you've just kickstarted this whole, I call it, you know, family of like people that can help other people in ways that they probably think, oh, I'm just going to my job and that's it. But in fact, you've inspired them through the people that they're dealing with. And that just it kicks on and on. And I love that. And, I, you know, I've seen that in you. And I'm, that's why I'm really glad, you know, so Zach came and we don't always offer full time jobs um, for the kids that come through um, the apprenticeships. But Zach did. I think he was just like an incredible asset across the board that, you know, we would have been fools if we didn't take him back. That's the way I look at it. And, you know, now you just feel like he's part of the family. And this thing that he learned before, you know, finishing university is something that's now sown a seed that you are definitely just, you know, flowering. It just feels such a fantastic journey that you've had the last couple of years, you know, coming to us and um, working with me in particular. And, you know, um, and again, as I've said before, you are a networker extraordinaire, which I have to give you props to. So, <laughs> oh, guys, I love this. It's like share the love. It's just absolutely brilliant. I just that this. I mean, what a great inspiration for those that are listening in or watching in. You know, who who when they have done kind of reverse mentoring schemes, which you know whether it's official or not, actually, this is what I feel this is like. Is ultimately it's about relationships. It's about connectivity. It's about supporting one another in many different ways shapes and forms and look creativity and innovation comes out of that you know millennials and um, yeah I'm now zillennials um Zach to know that you are far younger than both of us um, <laughs> um you know are the biggest proportion of the future workforce you know we absolutely must um you know support our future leaders and nurture that talent because you know very different motivations I would say as well from from, from what perhaps business and and, and more 
you know, not you know, more archaic leaders perhaps of, of the past, where actually, um, you know, the uh, you know the great thing that makes me smile a huge amount is you know ever kind of giving talks, uh, whether it's kind of used to the IOD and actually you know did a talk to actually some amazing BAME students. Oh, they're just fantastic, and um, you know you, you just think you know what they want in in life and in business. And obviously, I interview a lot of execs. I'm not saying senior execs do not want this, but their take on the world, the take on the environment, the take on social good and purpose is what I think is going to really spearhead amazing future yeah. change yeah. within organizations. And look, it makes commercial sense as well. Yes. Doing good for business and wider society, that yes. is, that's great for business as well. Makes sense on all fronts. 100%. Anyway, guys, this podcast is about you, not me harping on because no one wants to listen to me. So I'm going to move us on. Actually, now I just, you know, I love what you're doing. I just think it's, I think it's brilliant. We need more, we need more reverse mentor partnerships. We need more networks like this, but intergenerational networks as well. I think it's, you know, so many different facets of diversity and inclusion in addition to, um, to BAME and, and race, which I'm very passionate about. There's so many other different forms of diversity and that kind of, you know, that amazing, um, you know, differences of mindset and, and such. But anyhow, you know, talk to me about, about what the future looks like for some of the, um, some of the pieces you're doing, not only around the networks, obviously, uh, Zach, you'll be fully fledged very soon, which is, which is exciting, and about your being a, being a real driver to, to push forward the importance of these ERGs. What, what, what are the next steps? I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to be quite frank, where I felt quite bleak about the future, and that's just from what's been happening recently in the world. So, you know, with the COVID um, deaths um, affecting BAME population disproportionately, and as a result, there's a contraction um, in the economy or it's seemingly it's, it's heading that way. And so therefore the opportunities have been lessened. So I do have a slight fear for Zach and his peer group I do I, you know I have a son that is meant to start university in September and you know he's not keen to do it if it's going to be online and I was like no because university is about the experience you know you want to be around people you don't really want to be doing it in your bedroom because I'd be like no nah, take the year off then so I feel a little bleak but at the same time in parallel I don't want to take my foot off the pedal I you know we're doing stuff at work where we're having an alumni um, launch for these kids that are graduating just now, like Zach, um, give them insights into the company. We're doing it all virtually. We're meant to do it face-to-face -face so people can network with senior leaders. Alas, we can't do that, but we've just flipped it onto the other side. You know, one of our senior ladies, our exec sponsor, in fact, said she'd love to find a few of her senior leaders and um, mentor some of these kids. And I says, we need to do it as a reverse mentoring thing. You guys need to learn from them as much as they're going to learn from you. So we're going to be running with that. Um, we're looking to see where we can get uh, a round table around discussion, discussing um, salary negotiations, which is very hard for people of color and women. And I think it's really important that we kind of um, demystify um, the whole notion of what your worth is and finding the confidence and see if we can get some good takeaways with regards to when they're trying to negotiate. So as much as I feel that the future might be a little bit, uh, there is a bit where I'm thinking, don't take your foot off the pedal, have those digital cafes, see what comes out of that, see what we can do to generate 
you know, with what's going on right now around representation in the company, which is quite key, uh, making sure we have a lot of senior people of color. So those people that are coming in from those diverse backgrounds can see what they can achieve by seeing the representation in the company at the top of the, of the ladder. So I'm optimistic at the same time and doing things to kind of um, keep that in motion. And to, to follow on that, I think from the uh, people coming into the workforce, us young people, you may say, are, um, like you mentioned, are more and more conscious around these issues of ERG areas and mm -hmm. ethnicity, making sure there is this representation, making sure there's sustainability environmentally. You know, we're a lot more conscious, I think, as a, as a workforce going into it. And that is, will mean that we are going to be choosing our companies based on those more and more. And the amount of times I've heard people applying for placements to places that are doing this sort of stuff and not going to places that are not is, is very much increasing. And people literally do not do things because the company does not support or show support for mm. these sort of issues. And I think as time goes on and more of us join the workforce with this sort of mindset, the better off it will be, especially with the uh, recruitment process, which is very biased towards... I'd say like people like white people, especially because these systems of reviewing interviews online uh, using AI is based on a data data set which is already biased and skewed. So there's these technologies that are, are trying to help, but maybe not, but also we can fix that. You know, it's, we can solve that data and bias issue, whereas we couldn't solve humans sitting there in front of people um, and solving their unconscious bias. So I think, as more technology comes into play to help solve our biases and as more students join the workforce with the, the view of making impact, not just making money, I think the better off we'll be. So I, I think long, long term, we've got a bright future ahead. And that's why I'm inspired. I'm inspired <laughs> when I hear that, Zach, I really am. Um, I mean, I absolutely concur. Zach, you articulated yourself there um, incredibly well. And what you've essentially, epitomized is two absolutely core pieces one the future generations of leaders in the workforce are not going to stand for organizations that don't just say they're doing good things and pay lip service to it for organizations that genuinely mean it and value their employees um, and really believe in business for good and wider society and you know the second key piece is gone are the days where people be queuing up around blocks asking for you know desperate for specific jobs you know and I think actually you know whilst millennials and zillennials have been criticised a little for this being picky over you know where they want to go and being handed things to them you know etc etc I've heard it all before actually you absolutely cannot question their motives and the fact that you know what. They are going to go somewhere where they genuinely want to work. This is more of a two-way relationship now. This is not a one-way street where it is um, come and interview and tell me exactly what I want to hear. This is a, well, you tell me why I should join your organization because that is absolutely, absolutely what it is and, and, and quite rightly so because to keep on to good talent, organizations 
need to be demonstrating truly what they actually stand for and what they mean you know otherwise they won't keep hold talent and actually um you know again you talked about another key point but let me just quickly say um and i won't say who it is of course because of confidentiality but a you know a, a good friend of mine who works for a very large management consultancy organization is a is a huge champion around black asian minority ethnic and he said looking at their stats um and they are you know, I'd say they're pretty, pretty good on diversity. And certainly this individual, um, she's, uh, she's very, very passionate about BAME in specific, is when they were looking at some of their metrics, there was huge amounts of diversity at the grassroots level. And in specific, black males, young black males. But after a year, they fell off a cliff. They couldn't retain them for longer than a year and they were going off elsewhere. You know, some might say, well, you know, that's the use of today, whatever, whatever. Actually, it's not. What are you doing internally to not engage this group? Yeah, because we did a, um, a session last year for Black History Month and it was, you know, we need to talk about race. And I had um, a couple of the kids from the charity come along in the audience and he raised his hand asking, you know, or making a statement more than anything saying, there's this Robin Hood mentality where a lot of BAME kids think like, yeah, I'll get into those big banks and financial services and consultancies, get my money after a year, and then I'm going. Because a lot of it was that sometimes they would sense very quickly, this is even before they're going in, that where is the possibility that I can progress? Where do I see myself at the top of the food, you know, top of the chain in terms of saying um, I can achieve that because I can see that black man up there or that black woman up there um, in a senior position of power. And um, so they really have a very limited, they, they read the scene, you know, the already to know that, you know what, I'm going to try and get there, boost my CV, come out and maybe at the same time. And this is where I think, like you, Zach, you've got a lot of agency where it comes to when you were saying how people are choosing deliberately the types of places they want to work at, but also there in parallel, there's this very entrepreneurial streak, which is therefore like, okay, I know I need corporation to probably boost my CV and get myself started and get the necessary connections. But you know what? I'm also thinking at the same time, if you don't serve my purpose, I'm going to start thinking about my own thing that I can do. And there, I think your generation is a lot quicker to just say, I ain't got time for this. And uh, I'll, you know, trundle along with the stuff that I'm creating myself. So I think companies really do need to really think about the mentality of a lot of young people now. Absolutely. And that's why true engagement is so critical. And Yvette, I must just say uh, as well, because I know you mentioned there before, understandably, you are feeling emotionally drained at the moment. You are doing a fantastic job. It is thought leaders like you that make differences to um, and give opportunities to people like Zach, give a voice to others and make a genuine difference. You know, I think sometimes it's very easy. Um, and one particular thing that really angers me, actually, sometimes someone said to me the other day, I mean, I get it quite a lot, it's all diversity and inclusion. Well, it's, you know, it's all very pink and fluffy and whatever. And I was like, it's not, it absolutely is not. Um, you know, it is actually one of the most relentless yeah. pieces of work 
that I think anyone could possibly do. Yes, there's lots of things to be championed and celebrated and there are good things, but at the same time, you have to have your foot on the gas all the time. It's exhausting, it's emotionally draining, it's multifaceted, it's multi-dimensional. There's lots of different facets of diversity, inclusion, visible, invisible, and it's not only needs to be mile wide, it needs to be mile deep as well. So it is absolutely, you know, I can see why it'd be exhausting, um, you know, to do frankly the amount of different things you do in the hats you wear but um you know it's because of people and champions like you that bright young talent like zach and others wants to be in organizations like you are in but you know what it doesn't don't don't underestimate the how it energizes me at the same time like sometimes i think i'm doing way too much i need to stop i need to stop and do, you know my hands are in too many pies blah, blah blah and then i think of something that's like no that sounds like a really and then i get energized and i think that can really benefit them that can show a no, new perspective and you just get carried by the momentum of the ultimate i don't know um invigoration you get to change something that you think that doesn't sit right that looks wrong we need to fix that and so i do get fed by it at the same time, but it's, it's, it's more trying to bring people along for the journey and casting that net wide so that, you know, you have a multitude and a myriad of types of people that um, just want to do and get it done. So um, I think that kind of keeps me going at the same time. Absolutely. I think you and I are very similar in terms of drive because I absolutely, what you say there completely resonates. But you brought up a point there um, very briefly, which I think we absolutely should um, mention uh, and perhaps discuss is, is representation at those senior levels. And obviously this is massively disproportionate, as it also is within a number of other facets of diversity and inclusion. But you look at the Sir John Parker review, which was looking at, um, I think it's FTSE 100 or 250 when it comes to um, BAME representation and it moved 0.6% in a year yeah. and you know you think okay so you know again for those who are listening in why is that you know whether this is new information whether it is information that you knew already um, you know some of the critical pieces clearly are look if you don't see someone or you have feelings of resonation with someone who's more senior you can't as you alluded to before actually feel that you can one day make it to that place and unfortunately there always has to be first there always has to be those like yourself about who are paving the way but talk to me a little around your thoughts when it comes to representation and um you know moving the dial on you know what this. i mean um representation feels like one of those things either it can deeply affect you or not and i must admit i um I spent a, a, quite a bit of time living in New York, and I remember as a 16-year-old, Miss um, Perot, my sewing teacher, um, said, you need to apply for this thing at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It's an internship where you can actually um, learn about textiles, since that's your interest. And I remember, because um, we lived in the Bronx at the time, and I remember going on, I, I got onto the program, it was like a big deal, because um, there was only about, I don't know, 20 kids around the tri-state area um, that got into the program. It was quite a prestigious thing. And I got there and I was the only black girl there, the only person of color there. And all the other kids that got into the various, you know, whether it's the Egyptian studies, whether it was in the 20th century art or whatever it is, they all came from like Park Avenue, Fifth Avenue. And my exposure to that 
didn't make me shirk away. It became just a natural expectation. So for me to be in places where I'm generally the only person of color doesn't feel a way. It kind of like, and I think sometimes it happens when, you know, you know, I've got my son a couple of years ago to do his internship. And um, one of the things that I think he really liked because I had the more wide networks, he got lots of experiences, is that he said that he didn't really see a lot of people that look like him. And for me, I was just like, oh my God, you know, for me, where I was just like, you just need to get on with it, just roll with it, you know, it's fine. Um, to hear him say that, it um, kind of reminded me, there are so many kids that would come in and think, wow, where's someone that looks like me? And, uh, Am I here on my own? And, and it shouldn't be a, a, a hindrance to, to, to going forward, but you can see how it can have an impact. And that's why culture is really important within the company and feeling that you belong at the same time, but also seeing yourself, which I think is really quite key. So I do bang the drum a lot like that, you know, so what would be the outcome of all these discussions that we're having right now about, um, you know, lack of representation and um, need to get more senior people of colour? That is, you know, one of the key objectives in terms of now trying to think, how do we redress some of this? How do we ensure that people feel comfortable coming to a place and wanting to stay? Because, you know, as big as I want to get kids into the company, I kind of want them to stay too, right? I don't want them to be put off because they don't see other lot of other people that see that that look like themselves i want them to stay and also see people that look like themselves quite high up so it is definitely representation is becoming more and more apparent you can see that a lot you know some of these kids who never come into the city um you know go into um, places different corporations and the like that's why i think apprenticeship programs are quite good where you can but again you don't want them to be in a what i call a self-selected role where it might be just in it or might be operational you want to know that there are a myriad of paths that they can actually um, move towards and it's accessible and that they can represent so it, it, for me it's 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 we just need to plug at it to make sure that we're kind of like yeah keep your eye on the prize you know absolutely absolutely and i mean it is it's you know it's saddening to hear that that's how how your son felt but by the same token great he's got a you know powerful mum who is uh, very willing to be to outspoken i would like him to listen to me a bit more <laughs> i even got zach to speak to remember zach i'm just like inspire him <laughs> It's, it's absolutely so key though, isn't it? Because I think you kind of, I suppose, to agree full in one of two camps, you know. I was like, you know, when I was younger, I was always very, very aware of being different. My, my brother and I grew up in North Yorkshire in Harrogate, which I don't know whether you know it in, in the North. Um, but we were the only Chinese children in school, which was not weird in Hong Kong because multicultural school came to the UK and suddenly it was like, oh, wow, you're different. And, you know, did I think every day, oh, God, I'm different and I'm trying to fit in? Yes. But by the same token, I didn't actually think all the time, you know, is there anyone that looks or sounds like me? Because I suppose I just took it as a given that there wasn't. So in the way, same way that you described there, that, you know, I, I absolutely, that resonates a lot. But I also, um, you know, it concerns me deeply that there are, you know, kids, youth, you know, even people who are seasoned leaders in, in their roles thinking, 
you know, actually they've got to pluck up the courage and, and you know, maybe don't have the, the confidence to be able to step up or go for that promotion or whatever because they just don't think that they would fit in. And, you know, I heard a, and a horrifying statistic actually the other day, which is those who are in minority groups or, um, you know, in a situation where perhaps they are the minority, whatever that might be, is they spend 30% of their time worrying about how to fit in and expending that energy. That's a lot fitting of energy. in. That's exactly. And so again, it comes back to this absolutely momentous business case, other than the fact that actually it's the right thing to do anyway, but yeah. it comes back to this momentous business case. Of, well, hello, you know, your productivity. Well, if 30% of the time was You're spent fine. exactly going and channeling into work and we made people, all people feel that they belong and they are welcome here, no matter what they look like, whatever the background is, then productivity would be up massively. Yeah, it is. God, there's a lot to um, unpick with this, isn't there? When you think there, about There is like indeed. <laughs> there is indeed and actually I know I could be talking to both of you for a very long time this evening and on mm -hmm. that subject I am going to move us swiftly on I don't know whether you well I, I know you guys have listened to the show I should say um to date the diverse and inclusive leaders podcast show um but um what would be great is if we could go into a lightning round where I ask you a series of questions and I'm going to give you 30 seconds to answer each question which perhaps is a you know also a challenge not only for you guys but for me as well clearly um but uh, first and foremost what does diversity and inclusion mean to you personally so for me it is about the belongingness is the key thing like when i oh 30 seconds um you can have longer zach because it's be, you belong thank you belongingness is the key not just seeing people and having the right number of representation like okay we've got enough of each color here that's great we've done it no it's not about that it's about those people feeling like they do belong, which is the harder thing to do. It's quite easier to get just people in, but it's harder to make them feel like this is actually where they are, they belong. So diversity and inclusion has a strong thing on the belongingness for me. For me, um, diversity and inclusion is allowing um, yourself to be authentic anywhere, um, to bring in your full self anywhere, to um, being accepted as you are anywhere. So it is not that I want people to be colorblind. I want to see them to see me as a black woman and accept that first and foremost, not making any inferences about me, about my background and allow me to be my authentic self. Wonderful answer. And it's quite a big question next actually, but what is your secret to success? For me, it's around three core areas, which is work hard. You can't beat hard work, um, which leads to you creating as many opportunities as you can. The more opportunities you have, the more options you have for one to be the biggest one and to pay off. And through doing all of that, you're no doubt going to fail. So the third thing will be understand that failure is key. You should be doing it and you, then you should be learning from it, which is probably the biggest thing you can do to, to lead success. Mm completely agree with that. I think mine is being curious. I am generally interested in people's life stories and where they come from and their different interests. I think that feeds me. I think connecting is a massive thing which allows me 
to then, of course, speak to a myriad of people to inform my thinking. I think the other thing is that I'm very thick-skinned, so I don't really give too much about what people think. So, um, or, you know, having a certain level of confidence and um, feeling comfortable challenging things when I think that smells off. So I think that's helped me a lot where I don't shy away. I think um, I've been known as, yeah. I love that and I can tell it's great. <laughs> and who's inspired you both throughout your career today or indeed your life? For, for me, obviously the classic answers of, of mum and dad are always an inspiration for I think anyone who has them there. But mainly anyone that I see, I don't have a pinpoint person, but I see a lot of people doing a lot of good things. And whenever someone's doing something well and they're achieving something and making an impact, that usually leads to me being inspired to do the same. So I, you know, same thing. So I didn't grow up in a nuclear family. My um, grandmother raised my sister and um, myself um, till we we're about 14. And then we went to the States to live with my mum. So my grandmother, who was the most empathetic, loveliest person ever, really kind of, I think she really instilled goodness in us. My mother, who was just this, didn't take anything, you know, um, any rubbish from anybody, very strong. I just remember thinking, God, as a woman coming over on the boat from Jamaica in the late 50s and buying her first house in the 60s where they wouldn't give black people mortgages. I was just like, she was formidable. One mum's formidable. And um, she currently lives with me right now. She's got dementia. She's at the last three years, but she is just a force to be reckoned with. So she's definitely without a doubt. And my sister, I've got a twin sister too. She is uh, a grafter, resilient, gets on with it. Had twin girls at 44 by herself. They're like around, you know, nine-ish now just gets on with it. And I love that. I love that when I see that all the time, we're just very much doer types. Um, so we come from a very strong female environment. But then I have to remember that there have been people that have been so impacted. I'd never formally had mentors, but I think through um, when I was working at Goldman Sachs, there was a, a general counsel there at the time, Northern type. Um, very quiet with his um, way, but you know, one of those that says little, but means a lot, you know, he was just gave me opportunities um, without, you know, um, I don't know, we just got on well in a really great way. And I actually have a real affinity for Northerners. So Leila, definitely, um, I, I get the Northern thing. I'm married to a Northerner as well. He's from Halifax. So um, there's a bit of a Northern thing going on. And, um, and then um, at BMY Mellon, um, former um, chairman, Michael Colfontaine, who, if I tell you what I consider an authentic leader, that's him. Phenomenal. Given me lots of opportunities, allowed me to be my person. I think he just liked different. So he was very um, inspiring. Just great. Great leader. Was one of those people that saw people, you weren't invisible, speaks to, you know, reception, to the security guards, knows people by first names, phenomenal. And also at the time, his also, his deputy, which was the chief operating officer, who he's the first one that gave me an opportunity to shadow him. And it just kicked off this whole spiral of events where I just had a lot of opportunity 
meet with senior leaders and speak to them and get opportunities. And so it's a bunch of people that I can easily say from big, you know, from the very beginning of my formative years to, to now that's had a massive influence. And I continually get inspired by people like Zach. I really do, you know, I'm just like, I'm always like, oh my God, what is he made of? How did you, how do you make people like him? And I was saying to my son, his name's Chi. I was like, Chi, you know what? Do you know what Zach's doing? And he's like, oh, what are you gonna say about Zach again? <laughs> so, I, you know, I get, um, I, I get inspired by quite a lot of people and I, and I think it really does, um, it's, it's one of those things where you just get, um, I'm, I feel quite blessed. I've had a blessed life in that respect. Thank you so much for sharing about, I think that's, I mean, it's wonderful. And actually, if I, if I may say, uh, you know, you clearly followed up to your mother and, and, you know, formidable with everything you're doing, honestly. Mm -hmm. I, you know, both of you, pair of you are, are real inspiration. So it's, it's been fantastic speaking with you. I'm going to ask you one final question before we, uh, before we say goodbye. And that is, and it's funny, I'm going to laugh at this actually, is what would you, if you were to go back in time and give your younger self advice, what might you say to yourself or indeed anyone who was in a similar circumstance? But actually I'm thinking, Zach, you're so young. <laughs> I think, younger. Is, it, is it applicable? So, <laughs> but anyhow, look, let's go for it. And Zach, what I would say to you actually is look, what advice would you give to other young aspirational leaders or those who are embarking, frankly, on going to university or thinking about going to university. So, um, you know, perhaps your angle can be from, from that side. For sure, I can definitely do that. I think I've picked up a lot of things through, through uni, which I wish I'd known at the start. The first is definitely, it is not what you know, it's who you know. That is the biggest thing that no one told me at the start of this. Um, and I would encourage any young person to, to get on LinkedIn, to start building up their network, to start reaching out and to start just speaking to people you never know when the next opportunity might come um, as one main thing and the second thing is just to failure is still something that I sort of bang on about because people do get disheartened when things don't work but I think that's a good thing because at the start you're trained through school to if you're okay you've got bad grades that's a bad thing you didn't pass exams a bad thing you know you, you failed your assignments a bad thing but those are all just highlighting areas where you can improve and if you don't fail and you don't try hard enough, then you can never push forward. So as long as you're networking to anyone you can know, and as long as you're trying your hardest and taking every opportunity you can, I think any young person will, will do well with those two things. I'm gonna be a bit boring and say, there's not a lot that I would tell my younger self. Um, I think I've just lived one of those lives where I have very few regrets and um, in a way, I just think that it doesn't really bother me as much to have failed because I feel like just get up, dust yourself off and get on. And I know I have a very high threshold around resilience. So I don't think there's a lot that I can say, to be honest. It's a really weird thing. There's, you know, I don't think I would change much. Thank you both so much. They're both great answers. And, um, you know, about, uh, I mean, again, I'd absolutely, I concur with both of you. I think, you know, life is, uh, without getting too emotional here, uh, life is, uh, you know, this constant, emotional roller coaster of, of ups and downs. And 
I think a lot of the time, very serendipitous is those, it's those people that we meet that inspire us along the way, that if what happened hadn't have happened, we wouldn't have been where we are right now and had a been fortunate to meet the people that we have you know and um you know to that note it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with both of you you've both been absolute superstars and you know i've just i've been very personally inspired myself through this wonderful relationship that you both have both very different backgrounds very different stages in your career but actually um you know you're both so open honest vulnerable which I think is actually very courageous as well to be able to share your learnings and to you know take the approach that actually the glass is half full and every opportunity can be seized for what it is um you know so i'd say you know absolutely keep going at the amazing work that you have done um you know, i'd normally give a summary but i think actually you know what you guys have said there encapsulates things perfectly the one thing i would say just to end on is uh, to those that are listening in today is not only absolutely critical i'm sure you've been you know, inspired um, by the words that we've heard today, but, um, you know, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Um, please do lend your support, show your support, whoever you are, whatever age, race, religion, whatever. Show your support, be an ally, be a friend, be there to listen. These guys are there listening, opening, you know, welcoming, asking how people are feeling this is not rocket science reach out we all have a collective responsibility to do this and you know the guys today have absolutely shown that you can make a difference it is relentless and it is emotionally draining for us all in this environment not only have we had coronavirus but we've now got um you know the tragic state of affairs at the moment but actually you know a, a a quote which actually i heard the other day and i thought actually that's very very powerful is if you think you're too small to make a difference try sleeping in a room with a mosquito because you'll know very quickly that you can make a big difference and um you know it really kind of stuck with me um and finally the power of employee resource groups and networks cannot be underestimated if you've got a resource group, an employee resource group, business resource group, whichever group it might be within the organization, utilize it, utilize it, harness the power of the people within there and the different minds and backgrounds that you have, because it is by staying together and standing strong that we will make this out and um, make our way out of this and be able to stand together as human beings because that's what it is at the end of the day. Um, you know, we are all human beings and I think, you know, you guys have just, um, you know, just, just talked, um, you know, really wonderfully and articulately about all the different facets of what that means. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been a great pleasure. <laughs> My name's Leila Mackenzie Dellis and you're listening to the Diverse and Inclusive Leaders podcast show. We're with you every week, but we're here twice a week at the moment um, due to unprecedented times. Um, if you missed anything at all from today's episode, don't worry, you can catch up on demand. You can watch on YouTube or you can um, tune in via any of your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Spotify, um, and various other, other apps that you may have. Um, you can also see all the show notes. If you missed anything about any of the important pieces that Yvette or Zach mentioned, their organizations, links, their LinkedIn profiles um, and such um, will be in the show notes at the end of today's show www.dalglobal.org forward slash podcast um, and a final note if you are feeling that you want someone to reach out to you've got two amazing people here so make sure you reach out to them or reach out to myself reach out to one of the team do not for goodness sake be a stranger take care and see you again next week <laughs>